UtilityMuffinLabs.com is the source for podcasts like 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, the NerdWords podcast, and the Playing Hooky podcast, to name a few. We offer gaming, music, and pop culture content, as well as graphic and audio design, voice talent, and more. Go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com to commission us for your audio needs, digital artwork, and advertising opportunities. UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast. Brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to the Dark Ages. Welcome everybody to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And we are, uh, we're back to our regularly scheduled program here after Gen Con and our cool interview with uh, Flyos. Uh, we're back to book reviews, so how about that? Boom! So before we get right into the book review, of which we are reviewing Jerusalem by Night today, I wanted to uh, just give a, a quick shout out to some of our new patrons that came mid-July to mid-August give or take. Um, should be real quick. So uh, the first one, I'm not really sure how to pronounce, but I think it's Ion Den. Thank you. Mr. Crowley, thank you. And then zero six, but it's like zero with a number six. And then IX, it's like tech nine. Uh, Felipe Rodriguez, thank you. Bill Durfee, uh, I believe uh, listening to us in China. So thank you very much. <laughs> Ryan Stark, Andrew Menifee, M.M., the capital letter M and the capital letter M, and then Goatman of Coffee. Thank you. Goatman <laughs> of Coffee us. is awesome. <laughs> Thank you for supporting <laughs> us on Patreon. That's such a good name. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I, I don't know what it means, but I like it. <laughs> I just picture like like a like an adult male goat, <laughs> like just drinking coffee nonstop. Goatman. <laughs> 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 Uh, you know, how, however you want to look at it, it's, uh, right. it's a good one. Right. So um, anyways, thank you guys. If you want to support us as well, you can check us out uh, over at patreon.com forward slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. We've got a ton of different tiers that uh, help us to continue to make these podcasts and hopefully continue to make them better. So thank you for everybody who currently supports us, has supported us in the past or thinks they might support us in the future or just listens to the podcast. That's awesome. Thank you. All around. Thank you. All right. So moving right along, shall we? Uh, Jerusalem by Night. Yeah, Jerusalem by Night is a is a well put together book for what it is, and it is a vampire Dark Ages book, a source book, right for the city itself. Yeah. And this is going to be your, I feel, the most hotly contested story that you're going to make out of this book. The challenge of this book, off the bat, I think, was you have three religions, right, just kind of battling over the same area, and they're not even. It's it's, it's wrong of me to say battling. Right, because they have story after story after story in here of the majority are doing well, but you know, always it's one person screwing it up for for everybody right. and upheavals and whatnot. Uh, but I'm ahead of it. Um, what did you think about how this book was put together? Well, um, so at first I was a little like I was a little concerned because I'm looking in the book and normally, like the book um, will have like I don't know, say give or take like. 20 to 25 pages of like background information and then like, you know, 25 to 30 pages of characters and then like, you know, 10 or 15 pages at the back end, give or take. I don't know if that's an accurate portrayal, but that's what it seems like in my mind. And the first thing that I was kind of struck by was this book is a little bit bigger than most city books by, I would say about, you know, 10 or 15 pages, but there was like 60 pages of characters in here. And I was like, that's a lot of characters. Um, but reading through it, uh, I, I honestly, I don't want to get too far ahead into that, but I think that all of the, the information that was provided at the beginning does help you as a storyteller to sort of traverse the very complex religious and political factions of this city. But like the history of it, I, it was necessary. Don't get me wrong. Um, the history of the city was necessary, but essentially to me, what I pulled out of it was it amounted to like seasons of this city, just like rising and being sacked, rising and being sacked, you know, being built and being destroyed. And just like a religious group takes over, somebody comes and murders them. 
a new group takes over. Somebody comes and murders them. But like the thing I know they were doing, right, is that they were mm-hmm. high. Well, one, that's what happened. Right. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> right, that's right, number right. one. That's what happened. But they right. want to highlight to the people using this book that you don't ignore that fact. Right. It is not a city of stability. Right. Right. Now, in, in the term of immortals, immortals, of course it is. There's a period of like 800 years. I think someone reigns peaceably like and that's, you know, has it going on. And it's well, it's eight times my lifetime. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be in this planet and that's assuming right. I live to be 100. But the um, but the aspect of it is that I found fascinating is that as you're reading it and going through it, it encourages you to stop at history points. Right. Right. Like, OK, cool. Um did you know that this took place? And here's here's where uh, the the Canaanites were, were first here, and right. when the when the Jewish uh, uh, when the Jews got there, they they were able to take them over, and God left it to them to decide how to do it. Right. That that's how the book straight up says it. Now to look up the Canaanites like I did, you got to remember this is a people that were were mistaken. They were just demonized uh, because the Canaanites had old religion, right? And by old, it's older than um, than most most of the religions out in that area, and and in practice. And so they come from like a a Persian feel naturally, but they have all sorts of gods, but not necessarily worship the way that you're used to. Why? Right. They suffered diseases out in that area, and the way they handle their dead changed. Right? They learned that if we leave a pile of dead to turn the soup out in the desert, it goes bad for the living near the near the area. <laughs> right. It just right. does. So, but but keep, keep hold me here because it gets morbid. They have to burn these people, and they know they do because you you can't dig a hole in the sand and bury them and hope it goes away. I wasn't working, you know. So they they dug a hole, threw them in a pit. What's this sound like to you? Yeah, and then right. they and then they make these burning pits. Also, they were a culture that didn't keep them malformed. Or the, uh, you know, stillborn, malformed, what have you, kids that just weren't going to make it. I jokingly often refer to and, and, and jest about the Spartan cliff because it's something that was horrible. Mm-hmm. But, that, but that allegedly happened. If they had a baby that was just, you know, not born right, yep. off the cliff. And that's, you know, that's it. Leave it to the gods. Well, the Canaanites kind of practice the same thing. Where, you know, it's like this child's not going to make it in the desert lifestyle we have. It's too harsh, what have you. You know, unfortunately... Right. Here it is. And here's where the twisted part comes in. There's all sorts of rumors that they practice these children instead of just throwing them in a pit and calling it that. They offered them to their gods to attempt right. to have a spiritual life for the child. That though though this world was harsh to them, please please take them to your bosom. But these are old school Persian Sumerian deities. For sure. So if they're lion-headed carved things that are all around these effigies, if you can picture that, and here's this burning pit... And here's this priest who has to literally divorce himself from the act he's doing. None of them wanted to burn a baby. That that's, that can't be what was in him. But then they had to believe in faith to, right. to muster the courage to get up there. And yes, I say courage. They know they are either condemning themselves for all time or this is something they're supposed to do and they won't know till they're dead. Right. right? And then they drop them in a pit. Now, you're the, in the distance, uh, a member of the Jewish community. And you look over and you see these burning pits and seen this sacrifice once or twice. What's the first thing in your head? Uh, demon worship or something, you know, to that to that extent. Absolutely. And, you know, your religion, oh, man, this is, well, look at these, you know, you know, and that's the thought that enters their head. But when they eventually come in here in mass and they see the Canaanites in the hills and whatnot, they're like, okay, cool. We're first going to war with these people and then gradually talk to them. And that's kind of how the book puts it. Like, there were skirmishes, and then chatting, and then skirmishes, mm-hmm. and then seeing what's going on. The Jewish people aren't warlike to begin with. They will definitely hold their own. But they kind of have a philosophy of, if you don't war on me, I don't war on you. Right? But then right. we'll talk. They have these, these, these chats that eventually they take over the Canaanites and or kill them outright. Mm-hmm. And get rid of them. And then they decide they're going to take this for what will later be Jerusalem. Right. With that type of start-off, this history is going to have tumultual, just, just tumult. That's all it's going to know. Right, right. And even when you look at it on a map, there's all sorts of settlements that are different cultures piled on top of each other that are easily accessible to one another. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's really the tale of this, of this book. And I, this is one thing that I kind of felt was a plus and a minus. So we learn about the history of Jerusalem. And by and large, my impression, what I felt was, this is a story of the mortals. Almost exclusively. Yes. The mortal religions rising up and falling and 
you know, um, monotheism taking the place of older religions where you have multiple gods and, 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 and honestly religions coming in or, or political factions, rulers from different lands coming in as this becomes sort of established as a holy land for different religions and going, whoever's there now has it wrong. And, you know, I, I feel like in this, in this book, especially in the first couple of chapters, they kind of are like, and they shoehorn a venture in, but they don't ever name a venture. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, like, to me, this reads in a lot of ways, in a lot of good ways, as like a very historical document trying to summarize, you know, a couple thousand years worth of religious strife and, and you know, the exchange of hands of this land with a little bit of vampirism tacked on. I honestly feel like this is, you know, th- these chapters, not a lot of like actual vampire stuff going on. And I understand why, mm-hmm. but that's just, you know, I, I don't, I, it's, yeah, I don't really care for it. You know, can I tell you another cool point they got in here though? Yes, of course. Took some digging and it's one of the few, it's one of the two references actually it points to canine activity, mm-hmm. right? Which is, I agree with you hundred percent. It's mostly mortal. But this one talks about when the ruler of Jerusalem is Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was not as good as his dad, right? Right. At kind of governing and keeping it going. Like, he was, he was there for the people, and that's all great, but you got to defend an area, too. Right. And kind of watch out for these neighbors. And you got to remember, it's the time of the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were definitely some kick-ass, take-names, kind of conquering types. And when they see Jerusalem and how big it got, and how, you know, they got this grand temple and all this stuff in it, they, they start amassing outside the city. Right. Right. Uh, because they just weren't impressed with Hezekiah and what he had going on. Right. It's like, great. You're you're there. And that's fantastic. But uh, we're just going to come take your city just because. Right. And that's that's who knows the real reason why they're there. But that's what they decided to do. Now, Hezekiah was just kind of uh, what's going on. Um, we're going we're to get sacked. I don't know what to do. Prayer is probably the only thing he fell to and, and did. Now, what cracks me up about this is that. <laughs> With the growing threat of the extermination about to happen, um, there's right. a coalition of Canaanites that were within Jerusalem. It's like the first time they mentioned that there was Canaanites, really. And and now to say that they have a coalition was a little weird, right? Right. There's a whole there's a whole grouping of them. And now that they have that going on, they meet up and they talk about a Ventru sword maker. And another one was a Nosferatu, an ancient Nosferatu with, with knowledge of stealth and, and whatnot. And they right. get together and they decide they're going to go out. And smoke the Assyrians. Right? Which leads to this interesting thing. You go... On the eve that you're going to be destroyed, and you see all these campfires as the armies amassing outside your gate, and your people really got nowhere to go, and you don't know what's going on. You you resort to prayer, because that's what you have. You're very faithful in the temple to Yahweh. And on the dawn, you look out, and there it's a field of dead. You didn't hear war. You didn't hear swords clashing. You didn't hear cries. It's just they're dead. Like a plague, right? Now, what I find interesting, they have an excerpt where they talk about what would really happen. And that's because, like, when you, when they woke up, they initially, the, ex, the excuse they took to heart was that it God sent an angel of death. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. That, that's what occurred. And how could they be wrong? I mean, like, thinking about that, like, okay, you're not wrong, right, in, in a way. But the angel was definitely the Canaanites. And they, and they went out there and they smoked everybody that wasn't near a bonfire. If you weren't near a campfire, right, then you, you got to live, right? And these were thousands of guys that got killed. So that was that. But they did that, and those guys told the tale. They literally ran back and said, hey, leave Jerusalem alone. It's protected by this Yahweh, right? If you go to do it, they will kill you and not them, not the people. We don't know what killed us. Because even they at night couldn't see the Canaanites doing what they were doing. And so, like, and what I imagine is it must have been like someone threw a cart at like 15 guys sleeping in a tent. Right, you know what I mean? Like just some ancient knots, dead, boom, destroyed. Someone using magic, venturing by with swords. It had to be crazy town. But the point is, it would look like chaos in the shadows. And that was that. And you can't see in the dark, plus you're by a campfire. I was like, that's a cool imagery and a great way to say, yeah, we're here as canines, but like the mortals are over here. That's this is their this is their show. And why they did it is because no other city at this point in history was so built up where they could have their machinations, their influences growing, and, you know, their food supply. One of the other uh, tales in here in the history of it, um, I don't remember specifically which, like, what time frame it was, but they talk about, um, I believe it was during the uh, the first uh, crusade when the, the, like, Catholic Christian armies stormed the city, 
and they talk about basically there's like blood up to like the the waist of horses as they're wading through the city. Yeah. That was one of the things, and I know it's like way advanced, but I mean, let's be frank. There's like essentially condensed down like 2,000 years of history of the city in here. But um, I believe, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that the details of that they even reference in here as being in uh, the supplement Fountains of Bright Crimson. I believe that's what it's called. Um, it's one of the upcoming things that we're reviewing. Uh, but basically, they talk about how like vampires like were compelled beyond their their capability of controlling, just losing themselves to frenzy, tearing uh, you know their victims apart, and just like running and just like water and carnage is everywhere. And as I'm I'm reading this book, I'm I'm looking through here and I'm like, man, this what really baffles me is how this place really functions as the the absolute dichotomy of both the worst of humankind and the best of humankind, right? Like, Jerusalem's a holy city, so it should be no shock to people that there are, and it's a holy city to three faiths, right? Like, the three major Abrahamic faiths, Muslims, Jews, Christians, it's all their holy land, right? They've all sort of coalesced here, and they sort of vie for control of certain areas. So there are places that radiate extreme faith because you have, you know, all these, these different locations from history, from the formation of the Christian faith, from the formation of the Muslim faith. So they radiate faith, but yet there's been like a dozen times where every man, woman and child in the city was murdered just like slaughtered. You know, they, they talk about during the, the first, uh, the, the first crusade, when the Christians broke through those walls, they killed everybody. You were Christian. It doesn't matter. It was horrible. It just murdered en masse. It was and, horrible. Yeah. It's, it, it, it tells a tale of a city that is, I, I feel like it's prime for every kind of dark ages story. That's what I get from this tale. It's primed for the political machinations, the different religious ideologies sort of vying for that, uh, that control, the dark stuff where, you know, canines don't want to go, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's a bit insane how, how, that it, how that goes in in terms of tragedy. Like, right, you talk mm-hmm. about the Crusades, the temple sacking and whatnot. Yeah. But there's specific there's, – there's one thing that is the ultimate that I don't want to skip through this without talking yeah. about. First off – I like how they boldly tell you that Joshua is is the actual Semitic name for what we know to be Jesus. Right. Jesus is the Roman version of of that name, and that's clearly it, that's what survived, and we know why. Right. You know, and that's that's how it is. But I thought it was cool. And when we talk about Joshua coming from Galilee on a, on a religious pilgrimage, that also is different for a lot of people. A lot of folks think that, like, basically. He didn't have a life, right? Joshua was just born, son of God, boom, here he is, right? Right. And then, and then religion sprouted from his breast. And, right. and no, it existed before. He, you know, that's this dude was real, is what we want to point out. This, this dude was real. And when he does his pilgrimage and gets here, he's noted as being the first anarchist, to be honest, like the first important anarchist. Because when he comes into the temple that they built to Yahweh, you got to remember, this is under the eyes of Pontius Pilate. Who sits mm-hmm. as basically the governor for Jerusalem at this point, right? Right. Because after all the tumult and the change of hands and, and nonsense, they come in and stabilize it. And they said, hey, have your religion. Stop fighting over it. Because they thought, Rome thought that was the issue. Everybody wants to have a main religion in charge. Everyone wants to oppose it. So just be like Rome. All of you can right. worship. Chill out. And Pontius goes there. Well, Pontius was given crap because when he came in with the Roman troops, he sets up these huge pictures of Caesar <laughs> right, right, all over the <laughs> right, town, which right, is right. cracking me up. And it was, it was also by the temple. Well, because he did that, people bitch, complain, and whatever. And, and naturally, Jews are upset. And so they were like, "Okay, look, we'll take down some, maybe." And that's it. But just stop it, right? Just stop it. And so they're like, "Okay, kind of fine, cool. We'll we'll chill a bit." Well, so <laughs> that's that's the Bob telling of it. Basically, these people were like, "We're so faithful that if you, we would rather you cut our throats than obscure our view to the temple." 
<laughs> yeah. If you we'll 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 expose our necks to have you slice them. <laughs> what I will tell you right now, expose your necks all you like, they still gotta slice their neck. That's why I right, sat there and right. said that's a that's a hugely dramatic way to, yeah. to talk about it, right? Basically you were bitching. And you threw right. and you threw out an amazing I'll just kill myself now. Right. Yeah, sure you would. Sure you would, but I get it. I'm the new governor. I'm leap off the top of this building if you don't take those pictures down. All right. And there was a part of him that had to be just like Bob would. I'd have been right. sitting with Pontius Pilate going, hang on a minute, sir. He's like, what? He says he's going to jump off that tower? Yeah. Do you think he'll do a swan dive? <laughs> like, I'll give him points if he actually hits by my feet. If one blood drop gets to you, I mean, that's pretty, you know, why am I morbid like that? You're not going to kill yourself over something like that. They're putting up. Okay, great. Cool. These people are raw. All right. Different time, different place. All right. We're going to chill. Well, we can see it a bit. But then four years later, here comes Joshua. And he walks in, and what happened to the temple? These these y- these yuckleheads were like, "Yeah, come to the temple and, and and trade money, and come worship the different gods in here, and do your thing, and let's bring in the cattle, let's bring in, you know, the, park your camel in here and have a day." And Joshua gets here and goes, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, get the fuck out!" <laughs> Here's a camel. This your camel. Yeah, Whack! Punches you got money the camel. Throws in the temple. No, no, no. <laughs> he starts <laughs> chucking shit up. He's <laughs> he's having a field day, right? Like, get out! And everybody's like, "Why? Because shame." Shame, <laughs> right? You know, right. step right, and they're like, "All right, man, he, this dude just shamed us." And then when he gets out there, they're like, "Aren't you Jewish too?" He goes, "Yeah." What the hell's wrong with you, man? I don't like getting shamed. So they turn around, mm-hmm. they bitch to Pontius Pilate, and Pilate's like, "What? Some guy came in and did what you did to me? Like I came in with pictures of Caesar. He's cool." Mm-hmm. And and you were gonna you were gonna jump off a spire and cut your throat. Remember? So one of you, one of your own, walked in and threw all your shit out because you're supposed to have a devotion, the same devotion you showed to me. You're supposed to have to that temple. Oh, now I'm supposed to do something? That's fucked up. Right? And that's exactly it's exactly his point. Like, what the hell are you doing? Well, mm, there's he, he said he's the king of the Jews. Did he? Or did he just throw your camel out? Okay, calm right. down, Hezekiah. Okay, yeah, cool. We'll bring it out. Eh, arrest him so he doesn't get killed and bring it over, whatever. And this is the start of like a series of unfortunate events, right? For for what goes on. And this is this is what he does. Now, what is he doing? Well, Joshua's walking around telling everybody, hey, peace, love, and community. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, that's what the Romans... Look, you're allowed to have your religion all you like, but, you know, Yahweh's the only God. That's that's what's there. And he wants you to love your brother and turn the other cheek and try to find another way. Grow as a community, and we definitely could grow this community and blah, 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 blah. Well, now you have Jews sitting over here going, wait a second. You're not following Yahweh. Yahweh's like hardcore. Like, he gave us laws to follow, and they're for the Jews. That That's for us, buddy. You're saying everybody... Right. right, and I won't go too far into it, but there's religious differences that are getting highlighted. Right, right. The, there's he, a there's a very big like distinct difference in how each of these religions sort of perceives those events and what they may or may not actually mean. Of course, right, and like who knows? But you know, for me as someone who um, I would consider myself like honestly a bit of like a historic religious novice, like I'm not a religious person, so you know these are not things that I ever studied. And I feel like in a lot of ways, these this chapter, like this part of the chapter, obviously talking about the life of Jesus, but also like the later chapter that goes into like the distinctly different versions of the religions. Like there was honestly stuff in there I didn't know. You know, a lot of times I go into these books and I'm like, oh, this is just sort of like reaffirming things I already know or or just like brushing me up. But like, honestly, there's stuff in here. I, I mean... To be fair, I haven't done additional research in the laboratory of the omni brain that is the internet, right? I didn't Google anything. But either way, it has put these thoughts and ideas and concepts into my mind. And now when I do run my game in Jerusalem, you bet your bottom dollar I'm going to go Google some stuff. I'm going to go look into these things. I'm going to go read some books so that I know, you know, I can represent these religions properly. Because all I know is like, you know... Nate from the suburbs. That's <laughs> that's what I know, you know. <laughs> but the uh, the cool part about uh, Joshua, other than that point mm-hmm. that Nate just made, because uh, I feel that I I absolutely agree with you in that. Um, and for me, Muslim, uh, Islam is what opened my eyes to it. I thought mm-hmm. I knew something about it uh, a little bit, but this book definitely gives you gives you more. And I did Google it just because it was cool to do it. But uh, the Joshua story, what I really like about it is how they make him normal, right? Right. Because here's what happens. He's released from Pontius the first time for what he did at the temple. He's out. Now he's preaching in the square. Telling everybody the good stuff. 
Right. And the Jews get pissed off again. And they're like, you think you run? <laughs> like, nah, this, this, this has got to stop. They go to Pontius again. Pontius is frustrated. Right? Like, what the... F- right. Knock it off. Go tell him to knock it off. Like, get get him out. And then, and then when the guards go talk to him, he's basically like, listen, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm telling people. And the guards are like, what's the issue with that? Like, sense of community? Great. You want to get along? Awesome. Love one another? Great. There's no violence then. What's, what's wrong mm-hmm. with what he's doing? And they're like, well, it's different... From what we have in our book. Right. Oh, that's the difference? Yeah, come over here, Joshua. And the guards take him. And they're like, good. Romans are pissing him. The Romans basically tell him, look, man, find a cave. Find somewhere <laughs> these people aren't at. Just like, I mean, I get it. It's one city we're trying to be in. And just, just get over here. You're over here now. Go over here in this cave, chill. That's yours. You and your, your little Christian cult can just go in there, figure it out, and, and be cool. Cool? Right. Joshua, yeah, it makes sense. Whatever is good for everyone. I'm sorry they feel that when you go over there. Well, what happens? Those soldiers are converted because they're curious. They like the message. You know, right. they have families. Other people are coming in and they're getting double, triple the numbers that the Jewish faith was. Why? Well, the Jewish have a faith of basically you're Gentiles or you're Jewish, right? You're either them right. or you're not. And that's it. And then if you're them, great. You get all the stuff from God. If you're not, well, you're kind of screwed. And that's what it is. What's what's Joshua pitching? Everyone's cool. Everyone gets to come. Everyone gets to be forgiven. It's all for you. Awesome town. Well, as he starts getting numbers, that jealousy starts rising. Right? right. As you as you could see this wood and it starts peaking. Comes to a head, and eventually Pontius Pilate's just like, look, uh Yeah, you say it's a cripple, he's done some stuff, there's some things going, listen, I guess, you know, hey, Joshua, you broke the law so many times, man, you're causing such unrest. By our own law, by Roman law, we have to make an example of you if you continue to do what you're doing. Right. And he said, well, I will not apologize for being who I am and for wanting this and for wanting everyone to enjoy what God has put here for us. He says, look, man, I'm giving you one more time. All you got to do is say you're going to stop and you get to live. That, I mean, this is not going to be a good process, right, right. right? And he's like, no, I won't do it. I won't bend. And 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 Pilate and everybody else, as we know the story, they're basically taken aback. And Pilate's like, i got to make an example. We're Rome. We're soldiers first. So that's it. He has to be made an example of. And they do. And we know that story. What you don't know, which I had to look up, was Emperor Titus. Right? Emperor mm-hmm. Titus did not like how that shit got handled. Right. Right? Because apparently... What, what, what was said was Rome's law was subjugated and manipulated by the Jews. They put the pressure on Pontius Pilate. They put all this up here to do it. They didn't obey and didn't calm down and caused unrest and, and everything else. So they come in and they throw the Jews out and sack the city. Right? It talks right. about like a four-month process where Titus comes in with Rome proper and is like, oh, y'all like to bitch? You like to complain? Guess what? Kicking your walls down. Kicking your church in. Smooth. Right. I hope you like eating sand. Why? Because this food's getting burnt. Wah! Screw you. Right. It's like, oh, you like crucifying people? Guess what? Who are the people who are giving Pontius Pilate some headache? And Pontius is like, I got their names in the list right here. Yeah, great, stupid. Give it to me. It's like, yeah, crucify them. <laughs> like, what? You crucified Joshua? Join them, stupid. There's an example made, and they, they, they were pissed, right? right? But you can only do so much damage in that length of time and leaves, and that's why it gets rebuilt again. But it's like, I sat there and saw that, and a lot of people think that, like, jealousy happens, right? right. It's just the thing. And this book is awesome to highlight this. Like, you know, the Jewish faith's great. However, it does exclude people. Yeah. And then you have, and, and Islam is the most logical because it actually includes the other two religions. Because they're people of the book. It makes concession for Christianity, for Judaism. And that's, and that's what it is. Your, your laws come from a book. We, and they actually go as far as the state. We all have the same God. Right. What, but it's those, it's those little distinct details that, you know, the, just the tiny little details that, you know, Bob and, and me and a quorum of our friends could go, yeah, it's okay. It's not a big deal. Right. Like right. We, we could do that. But like once you get more than three people, you're screwed because right. <laughs> they're going to be like, no, no, this guy is not a prophet. He's the son of God. And then, and then you know, Bob's going to be like, no, man, God doesn't have kids. God is God right. is God. And, and then one of the other ones is like, look, you're both wrong. I don't even know who that guy is. Why do I care about him? My book is the right book. 
Well, There's look, a trinity. Mate, if, you just, if you just change your book a little, I'm not, why should I change my book? I've had my book forever. The list goes on and on. Right. What I like that they did in here uh, at the very beginning of this book, actually, and it's something that you don't see a lot of in these books, but I like that they put it in here. They have a note right on the credits page, and it says, Jerusalem by Night deals with the issues of faith historicity and has the potential to offend much like our podcast jerusalem has been the site of many of the most pivotal events in the spiritual history of the human race and trying to integrate faith historical accuracy and the demands of a game setting means that not everyone may be happy with the way things shook out in the end this book was written and developed with all due respect for judaism christianity and islam in the hope of producing a book that was entertaining informative and respectful if treatments of faith in the context of Vampire of the Dark Ages aren't your cup of tea, the developer and writers suggest you put the book down and move on rather than be offended. Right. I love that they put that in there. It's, it's, it, makes it, it makes it so you can go through neutral. Right. It really does. Go through and just read. And, uh, and, and like anything, it mixes. There are parts it mixes. But they got people who did their homework is the point. And, and folks who do their homework, you can research and find where they got it from. I believe they even cite a lot of sources that they uh, have in there that you can pull from or give you inspirational books, like always, right. uh, that you can go look at. But the point is, through the, the, the history we're done talking about, I feel, because there's yeah. there's just a lot. It pretty much goes like that. Some great, awesome event, bad. Then it's good, right. then it's bad. Right. Then it's good and it's bad. Then right. it's good and it's bad. Although, I will tell you something that's weird. I didn't uh-huh. look this up, and I just kind of hope it's not true. It didn't make – it just baffled me. Remember that part where basically uh, Babylon, like uh, the Persian kings, like, all right, you're in Babylon, get rid of all the Jews, you're real downers. They're like, what? You're like in here not doing this, you're not in a prostitution, you don't drink to excess, you don't do it. Look, man, get out. Just go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Just get the fuck out of here. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like to party. La-di-da-di. Yeah. And then they send them away. Well, they get to this, the land here, back yeah, to the right. side of Jerusalem, and while they're there, they're like... Well, we got to rebuild this, but they got all this kick-ass farmland. The the emperor of Babylon or whatever, he's like, go back and build the temple, right? And, the, and then, you know, all the people get back and they're like, well, we're hungry. We don't have any tools to build the temple. <laughs> so they're like, well, let's let's get our farming straight. Let's 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 grow food. Let's let's do that. Let, you know, we'll get meat. You know, we'll get we'll get full, and then we'll build the temple, right? And <laughs> then like sense. like thirty years passes. And there's no temple. And Babylon's like, hey, what's up with the temple? And they're like, man, we just can't, you know, it's no crops. Nothing's growing. <laughs> now, again, I remember the city, the walls are all down. The ruins are still there. <laughs> right, right. They haven't even bothered to pick up a stone right, right. to get rid of Here's it. Here's the best part. Here's the best part. Those, those folks from Babylon wander in. You know, all this time goes by. And the locals are like, hey, we love the temple, too. We could help you rebuild. We've been here the whole time. And everybody from Babylon's like, no. Screw you. We don't work right. with locals. Right. I couldn't I couldn't fathom it. I still can't fathom it. We're of the same faith, right? Yes. Yeah, but you're, I'm you're a Jew. yokels. I'm a Jew. You're Jews. It's like, yeah, but we're the Jews that didn't leave Jerusalem, and you're the Jews that lived in Babylon. Right, right. But we're willing to ignore that and still work with you. No, no. We're Babylon Jews. <laughs> we're right. badasses. Right. Do you see our gold coats and our empty stomachs growling? And then they were like, and, and to point out something else, um, you had all this time while we were Babylon Jews right. to clean up and build the temple. Right. Why didn't you? Uh, but the, the best part is like a hundred years passes <laughs> and there's still no, t- they're like, they're like, wait a minute, let's gather our resources and let's just build the temple. Cause if we build the temple, blessings will be upon us. And then our farm, you know, our farms will grow, our crops will grow. And they're, they're like, all right. And they build foundations. And then they're like, that's stupid. I'm hungry. <laughs> right. Right. They're doing it. And then like, what's it? It's like a retired Jewish commander out of the army of Babylon <laughs> It's like, hey, man, I'm going to go to Jerusalem where my people are at. Is that cool? He's like, yeah, and hey, take a little extra. Make sure that yeah. temple gets built. It's been 100 years. Did you see where they're at on that temple? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. And he gets there, and he's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> really? You guys haven't even vacuumed a carpet. What is going on here? Well, we got olives. You know, what <laughs> you know what I mean? I found that hysterical because yeah. the other depiction was when, when finally this dude kind of cracks the whip of guilt. It gets everybody to kind of go with him. The Babylon Jews are in. He's like, fine, no outside help. The outsiders are up top throwing stones as they work. <laughs> right. They're like, fuck you guys. You thought your life was hard. Imagine being out to a backbreaking labor and you're getting whacked with stones. He's like, mm-hmm. we can't help. Itch you with a stone. It's like, it man. seems so simple. 
Like, just be like, man, look at all those people over there working so hard, lifting heavy rocks and hurling them from the walls upon us. Maybe we could just be like, we want to come down here and help? Because that's all they wanted. <laughs> right. Just wanted to move rocks one way or right. the other. No, no, it's our temple. Fuck you. You don't get none. <laughs> So the other really cool thing about uh, where this city is um, at current time in the 1197, they're, like, they're, they talk about how all the different gates of the city and like it can be difficult for you, know, you to even get a message across the city because you sort of have to go through the maze of how the different faiths sort of intertwine and like each faith has its own section of the city. And, you know, it's it's like a maze you have to get through. And, and then you have to get around, like, all these faithful spots that the Canaanites don't want to be around. And, um, yeah, so I think it really is, um, you know, in the first couple of chapters, it's really painting a picture of the city in the, in the quote-unquote modern era, because it's not, you know, not modern like now, modern like Dark Ages modern, um, and where it is, which is kind of like this sort of uneasy piece, sort right. of... Uh, you know, teetering, you know, it's been, it's been a very long time since a terrible massacre has happened. So <laughs> let's hope your players aren't the responsible for the next one. And then, uh, yeah. So, um, I, I don't know if you want to go into any of that stuff, but, uh, about the, uh, holy sites, like the, the lion's gate, the dung gate, the Zion uh, gate. Nah. Cause the geography is going to be something worth, like, I want to keep yeah. that to the book because that's going to be something you got to read and add to your own. And honestly, as exciting as it is in part, it's nowhere near as important as the culture, society and, and the vamps right. in it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so what about, um, the, uh, the canines of the city? First off, my favorite one is the lizard, the lizard. Yeah, all right, so this dude, Al-Hakim, yeah. is, is an interesting figure to begin with, because when he was alive, well, I don't know if you if you did this too, whenever I hear of a caliph, I just assume that that was like the absolute ruler, mm-hmm. right? That was it, and, and if the caliph's in charge and he's there, that's that. There's nobody messing around, and that dude is holy as it gets, right? He's the one they put up on high, and they all follow him, because if he was bad egg, they would take him out, mm-hmm. and that's just how it is. To learn... That this story, I didn't look this story up, but the way they write it here in the world of darkness, it seems like that might be wrong, right? Definitely so. Right. And it talks about how uh, Al-Hakim rose up, and uh, he's a seed of his father, who's the caliph of Cairo, if I'm correct. Um, and Al-Hakim, uh, basically, when he takes over, he's uh, he's just a kid. And right. he's a kid who, I believe he comes from a Christian mother and an Islamic father, which is allowed because it's the same God. And Christians are people of the book, so it's all good. And but it doesn't sit right with him for some reason, right? It just it just sits as wrong, and he takes it out on the the Christians and the Jews initially, right? He goes and he, he smokes synagogues, he takes out the uh, temples of the Christ and whatnot, and he's like wrecking them, and he's penalizing them, and torturing them, butchering some, just a brute, just a a big time tyrant. And then it flips around, and he starts charging them. Now, people of the book were kind of exempt. There's like a cool tax that Islam does, right? Um, that uh, they, or Muslims do, uh, where you can have your religion, that's fine. However, you pay a tax to, to have your religious beliefs, and that's that. But you can keep it. We're not going to force you to be what we are, but that's what you got to do. However, if you're, of this, if you're like the people of the book, which is Judaism, Christianity, then you're actually exempt from that. Because it's all from one God. And I was like, that's kind of cool. That I didn't know. There was an exemption to it, and that's interesting. However, Al-Hakim said, uh-uh. Y'all pay taxes. Right. <laughs> you don't get out of it. And this is him as a mortal, right? Now, he starts doing all this bad, bad stuff. One story in particular nailed it on the head. I believe it's a general of his own army saw him cutting up a child. And because the general saw that, the general ran. I didn't know why he ran, and then I got it later on. Because the general saw him, he was already dead. Right. And so Alakim and his men track him down and they killed him too. And that was and that was that, and that's kind of how he was. Well, one day, after he's doing all this madness, and he starts taking out his reign on Muslims too, right. which which is which is crazy. Um, he's like, Yeah, I'm leaving, taking my dudes, we're taking off. And he didn't say how long he'd be gone, and he never came back. He just never returned. And right. in the world in the world darkest being what it is, is because he got embraced. Right? And right. now he's this this guy. 
Now, when he's embraced, it's weird how he cooled out. Did you notice that? How they wrote him? He was just like, mm, I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand it. Right. Why he's my favorite character in this book is because it's, first off, my, my take on all the candidates in this book is they're a bit ridiculous. <laughs> they're a bit ridiculous. The average generation is seventh. Yeah, right, right. Right? I think I think on one hand, I counted maybe uh, two-tenths, two-ninths, and, and, and that's... I think I think that uh, I could be wrong on this, but I think that the, most of the higher generation vampires, the 10, 11, 12s, uh, tend to be European, Ventru. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like even the Bruja, even the like Bruja Nosferatu, uh, there's like a, I think a fifth generation Zemis, and it's like, and that's Mandalay. Mandalay's like this crazy, like what, you know, but here, here I want to, I want to mention I've I've seen some ridiculous characters in print before, yep. but I've I've not had many experiences with the ridiculous quite like I have the character Canis, uh, and uh, I was like, "Frickin' why?" It's a Gangrel that yep, yep. Is, she she essentially exists as a dog, one hundred percent, an intelligent <laughs> dog that uses disciplines and trades, you know goods for services, but doesn't, doesn't like transform back into a human just exists as a dog. And then I love that they give the destiny for these characters in here and all the dark ages stuff, because this character has a very satisfying destiny for such a ridiculous concept. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I want you to, to read it too. And I know I'm going to hear people who are like, that's a cool concept. You're such a dick, Nate. Sorry, don't like it. You can have it. Um, <laughs> but th this city is great for anybody who's like, man, I want to play a Cappadocian. I want to play a Salubri. I want to play a whatever, you know, off the beaten path. Great, let them. They're all here. This is the first city book I think I've seen where Basically, every clan, aside from like Bali, was accounted for in the NPCs. Oh, did you forget that part in history? <laughs> Which part? Did Bob? you? Where they took the temple to Yahweh and what, and they got taken over, right? And for uh -huh. no reason whatsoever, they're like, build a temple to Baal. <laughs> right. They're like, what? Put the temple to Baal in there. The, what do you mean? The Sumerian god of like well, bad. That's why it was surprising to me because there was actually a point in history that they referenced where like the Bali are like kill everybody, right? But wait, there's more. The Bali come in and build a pit, and they're doing that. They're doing all the sacrifices. It doesn't say what happened to them. No, it's just when the town gets sacked, the Bali quit. Did they? Right. They're like, ah, fuck it, we're gonna and get out of here. And where'd they go? And, and I only mentioned that because you have a fourth gen Methuselah Salubri who's an expert in demonology who's here to take care of all that. And it doesn't even say what he's doing with it. Right, right. <laughs> he's, well, he's just here. Those are stories for you. But that's why I, I thought it was interesting that the Bali are not represented in this book. Because I think every other Dark Ages piece of material, city book-wise, that we've seen so far has had at least one Bali. Like, there's always one somewhere. This one, suspiciously, they're not included. Don't know why. That's for you to figure out. That's for you to build, right? That's... That's for you to, I guess maybe it makes sense, right? It's the Holy Land. You don't want to overtly state like, here's some Bali fucking everything up from behind the scenes. But there are places where Canaanites don't go. But, but even to say so, that their weakness alone is what shocks right. me. They where would, even they, where would they even be? They'd have to hang out outside the city. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to throw rocks from the wall. <laughs> it's devastating well, make wall. Sure, make sure you're on the right wall because even some of those walls have a faith rating. <laughs> don't even look right yeah, don't forget right, if right. you look for the wrong gate blindness right yeah if you if you if you approach the wrong gate you know faith is radiating you know um i will say this for fans though if you like the salubri as much as i as much as i say it nahum ben enosh uh is is in this book is a methuselah and his destiny is basically he vanishes from the pages of history it's a big thing that says if you want to bring him up in the modern, he exists and he has both paths. Right, right. Being meaning Val Ren and Obea, he has both of them, and that's uh, that's that's kind of cool for you to do it. And he's a road of chivalry at ten. I'm just pointing this out because I was asked once upon a time, does there exist a person that survived that was blooded by the code? Yes. Right. However, they're kings of doing this when you're reading the book. 
Yeah, that, that clan was wiped out. It, well, at least that's what everybody believes. Right. The Cappadocians were killed down to a man, except for the ones that were in the Shadowlands and the ones that were in Kaimakli and the ones who were in Torpor and didn't answer the... And, and then, well, hey, you know what? There's like 50 of them. Have fun. <laughs> you got a pen? Write the story. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> Do you want a Cappadocian in your game? Then we'll quote one in the revised core book. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> just good point it goes right it's your game that's that's the point like if you want an example great go through here because that's what i do i i look through these and i go i wonder where they're at where did they end up you know that the asimites like did they diablerize to you know to god and or did they get killed or are they you know bali apostates now you know what's happening so um the storytelling uh section of this i found uh, I, I actually wished it was longer. You know, it was only like a couple of pages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they kind of mention in here, they're like, you know, there's a tendency for folks like you, like you reading this right now, who know this game back to front to just skip this section. And they're like, please don't. And I agree. Please don't. Because, you know, it's pretty straightforward stuff. But getting ideas on how to start up a chronicle, how to get those gears turning in a book like this, where it is so distinctly different than like our modern perspective, I think was, uh, was a great help. So, um, I like it. Uh, all in all, what do do you think, Bob? What do you think about the book? I think the book's good. I mean, I think it's good for what it is, um, for what it presents. And I'm going to state this now. It's the simplest city book. It's simple. It gives you three themes for the entire book. And that's not to say that others haven't done the same, but these themes are so on top of each other, right? right? It's conflict, Canines versus canines and canines versus mortals. That's what you're going to find here in the eras that they give, and it makes perfect sense. Why? Reference the first half of the podcast. Right. And uh, again, like I said, uh, they do reference in here um, Fountains of Bright Crimson, which is just down the road. I think it's three or four, but basically comes out the same year that this does. So I believe it's meant to be like a companion piece. Uh, Although I do know that that story takes place um, like – about a hundred years before the setting of this book, but yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I, I thought it was really, um, a good book and, and I, I want to explore all the, you know, the different crusades, the second and third crusade. Um, for me as a player of dark ages, uh, or as a storyteller, I, I have never really been a big fan of dark ages and books like this that really help me understand why dark ages can be fun and help to like plant seeds of story in my head. These are imperative. Like a book like this should help you to understand dark ages a little bit better and hopefully get those gears turning on how it's not just like D and D for vampire. It's not that at all. It's super not that. So, all right, well, I think it's a good book Um, for people who are interested in collecting. It's important to note this book is out of print. You can still get a PDF copy of it on DriveThruRPG. Uh, but you, if you want to buy a paper copy, you're probably going to have to eBay it. You're going to have to like look for it on Amazon, which is how I got it. I bought it uh, on eBay. Um, I don't think it was super expensive, but um, it's like 11 bucks on DriveThruRPG. So use our link in, at our website to pick up this book, which we will provide with this post. So cool. Next week, Bob, we have the honor and duty to review Wolves of the Sea. Oh, that's an awesome book. Yeah, I've heard really great things about it. So coming up, we have Wolves of the Sea, we have Canite Heresy, and um, I believe I'll be in town uh, in, you know, present with Bob to record that podcast, and then uh, Clan Book Salubria after that. So um, basically, the month of May, Canite Heresy, Clan Book Salubria, Fountains of Bright Crimson, and then um, the uh, the Earsees Fragments. That's the last book of, of September. So that's kind of what we have on the horizon. Uh, anything interesting going on with you, Bob, that you want to share? Other than... Nope. Nope. That's that's about it. That's a, that's a standard. Like, I'm trying to think of something different to say in uh, uh, Truffle Butter, ain't it? No, don't do that. Um, I nope. do request, if anybody has any questions, we love to answer questions at the beginning of the podcast. Um, some people like it, some people don't. This is really about us. We like to answer them. So if you have questions about this podcast, about our process for reviewing, about um, how we run games, about plot, 
uh, send us an email. Uh, you can email me at Nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com. You can go to utilitymuffinlabs.com and just hit the little contact us button uh, or hit us up on Discord and uh, we'll, uh, we'll answer your questions. So, cool. Oh, I do have a request. Yes. If you're... Yes. If you guys are going to jump on Discord to, to rifle off a question to me or to Nate, I don't know if you experienced this too, Nate. Um, you make that account and then disappear. Um, <laughs> right. That we we that's that's weird. Like right. just 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 please, as a, as a matter of politeness, just making an ending conversation at least. Like thanks for answering the question. I'm going to delete my account now. So we know, right? <laughs> right so we right. know nothing's wrong because it's weird right. to have somebody go, "Can I ask you a question about my game?" Here's the da, da da da. Hey, obscure info about Salubri XYZ. Do you know about blah blah blah? Okay, sure, sure, sure. We answer the yeah. question and then nothing. It's like, it doesn't what? have to be a use once and dispose of scenario. You know, you can right. hang out. Um, you know, we we know that a lot of people they don't necessarily like to participate in kind of like the social aspect of things. Like we get it. Honestly, I, before I started doing podcasting, I was the same way. I was kind of just like comfortable to be me in anonymity. Um, but if you're going to jump on and talk to us and ask us questions, yeah, hang out long enough so we can answer them and you know give you a nod uh, in return. You don't ever have to go on. Just keep your account active. <laughs> right. We could do a direct message. It's fine by me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, cool. Well, thank you guys uh, for listening. Thank you for uh, enjoying our podcast. And um, please subscribe wherever you can find it and share it with your friends and spread it throughout the community if you like us. If you don't, All over. then just keep doing what you're doing. Spread it anyway. Spread it anyway. Don't <laughs> right, like us, right. but tell them to listen so they can get right. their opinion and tell you why you're wrong. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Until next week. I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And we'll talk to you later. You. Thank you for listening to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you like our podcast and you'd like to help support our show, consider backing us at patreon.com forward slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. We offer reward tiers of additional Patreon-only podcasts, t-shirts, and personalized gaming experiences. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and go to our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com, for links to all of our social media, additional podcasts, and more. If you'd like to chat with us, submit a title for review, promote your gaming-related stuff or anything else you can think of, email me at nathan at utilitymuffinlabs.com. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate. Radio, man.